Well, hello. Welcome to the Inside Sport Nutrition Podcast, your source for all things sports nutrition related. This show is hosted by myself, Bob Sibahar, and my co-host, Tina Griffin. We are both registered dietitians who are board-certified specialists in sport dietetics with combined professional experience exceeding 40 years. We are here to help provide translations of nutrition and sports science to real life, give you great interviews with a variety of experts where you can enhance your knowledge and bring a great nutrition conversation to you each week. Now in this episode, episode number 71, Dina and I talk a little bit about omega-3 fats. Now you may have heard about omega-3 fats and their many, many benefits from a health perspective, but this episode, we're going to kind of change into more discussion about performance and omega-3 fats. So we're going to do an overview of what omega-3 fats are, where they come from in terms of food, how they differ from omega-6 fats, and their role and the role of omega-3 supplements. We also dive into some recent research that looked at whether omega-3 fats can actually help with lean muscle mass preservation, lowering the duration of delayed onset muscle soreness, and supporting muscle function during injury. This episode is definitely going to be motivating And you might need to take a little bit different uh, look at your omega-3 intake throughout the day. I know I did personally. Now, before we get into that, just want to throw out a shout to my all-around snack company. Please go visit them, www.allaroundsnackco, that's C-O. This is a company I founded a couple of years ago that makes metabolically efficient snacks. So I've got some gourmet snack mix. I've got energy bites. I've got protein puffs. I just came up with a new flavor of energy bites. So chocolate peanut butter energy bites, all metabolically efficient, no preservatives, no additives, none of that stuff that we don't need. Just a really good blood sugar controlling snack option for anybody, athletes, families, kids, doesn't matter. So go visit allaroundsnackco.com. Use the code ISNPODCAST23 and you will get 15% off your order. And now on to the episode. Hey, Dina, we have a great episode today. How are you? I'm good, Bob. I'm excited to chat with you as always, but our topic today is exciting. It is pretty exciting because it's it's about a topic that I think a lot of people just kind of blow over, right? But before we're going to talk about what topic and what we're kind of chatting about, I want to read something. And this is going to launch into the what we are actually talking about on this episode and, and why really it's so important. But let me just, just read something from this, this article. It says, the 2015 to 2020 Dietary Guidelines for Americans, Adults, should consume at least two servings of seafood per week. Now, one serving is qualified as four ounces per serving. So listeners, if you're starting to put two and two together, we're talking about seafood, but more specifically, we're talking about omega-3 fats. So D, let's bring it back to seafood. You know, both of us are in Colorado I always use the excuse, call it whatever you want, but you know, we're landlocked. We don't really have the greatest fish. I mean, we can import it. We know that, but when's, when's the last time you ate fish? Well, funny, you should ask Bob, because just last (laughs) night I made salmon cakes. 
And I feel like the word itself or that name is goofy, like anything with cake in it. I don't know. It's just hilarious to me. But anyway, it's like the salmon version of a crab cake. Or the I've done that before. I've done that before. Yeah. Yeah. And Uh, and did you use fresh salmon? Well, no, I use canned. Yeah. Okay. Like the Wild Planet brand. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I mean, it goes right with what you're saying. I mean, I didn't have fresh salmon. And even if it was fresh here in air quotes, it's like previously frozen, you know, but so yeah, last evening, uh, you know, as we're recording this, um, I can't do the math real quick, Yeah, 14 hours ago, 15 hours ago. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, do you consume fish twice a week, Bob, in those? No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, you know, I mean, I, I, for the most part grew up in Colorado, right? So I have never really, I I've never really introduced much fish to my daily nutrition plan. I know I should, and I I really do. Um, And I do try to, like, I do actually consume tuna fish out of the can. I do can salmon every so often we will buy the frozen salmon, but you know, it's, I'm going to just, I'm just going to set it up. It's a pain in the butt. It really is, right? Um, however, I did grow up. Okay, here's the poor college student story. I did grow up when I was in my undergrad, uh, making you know concoctions of stuff, you know, that was extremely cheap at the grocery store. So I would literally get you know just the white enriched pasta, like little noodles or elbow macaroni. I'd get a can or two of tuna fish, and I would get frozen peas. And I'm not kidding you. Oh yeah, tuna macaroni or whatever kind of noodles and frozen peas together with some salt, pepper, basil, oregano. That was like my staple. It sounds very, very familiar to me as well. Right. Yeah. And and that was back then. I mean, in my undergrad, like I was studying exercise physiology, not nutrition. So, I mean, if you look at it, you're like, wow, I had carbs, I had fat, I had protein. I didn't really know what I was doing, but it was cheap. It was satiating. Right. But I guess that's my background on fish. I didn't really grow up with it that much and and still continue. And maybe it's just because I don't really know my way around it that much. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, when you're, when you don't use something in your daily plan, too much. And I hear this from a lot of athletes like, Hey, I don't cook steak a lot, so I don't really eat it. Cause I don't know what to do with it. And I get that. Right. Mm-hmm. But to your point, I, I like having a couple of cans of salmon in my cupboard and, you know, my kids have never enjoyed it. Right. I've, I've done the whole salmon cakes before and, and I enjoyed it. My wife enjoyed yeah. it, but the kids were like, mm, no, don't think so. Dad, like pass next one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, tricky, right? Because if we don't grow up with it, or if we are, you know, the fishy fish smell or that aroma or whatever you want to call it, it's difficult to get over it. Even if we know there are health benefits, just like with broccoli or other foods, but to lead into this a little bit more, Bob, when you said from the dietary guidelines to servings of fish, are we talking about any and all fish or specifically getting into more omega-3 rich yeah. Fish. So and what the heck are, why are we even talking about all this stuff? I know that's such a, it's such a great point. And, you know, obviously we're pointing towards the omega-3 because those have more of a health benefit and, and even interesting other benefits. And that's why we're really bringing up this on this episode, because there is some really interesting research that's been coming out, um, not just on the typical, what we've known of omega-3. And, and, and I do want to cover that really quick, but let me, let me share some background. Omega-3 and I, we go way back, like we're buds, right? Yeah. 
in in both of my so both my graduate degrees i did two theses right and both of them interestingly were interestingly were on omega-3 oh, and the function okay. we were looking at genetic um like certain certain genetic um properties of omega-3 triggering certain genes and whatnot but so that was my introduction which is kind of cool because i do know a little bit more than I would like to at certain times, uh, but about omega-3. So if if you don't mind, let me set this up for our listeners. So listeners, omega-3 fats. So what are we talking about here? Well, omega-3 fats are long chain fats, right? They're what are referred to as PUFAs or polyunsaturated fatty acids. We also have what are called MUFAs, which are monounsaturated fatty acids. And we're not going to get into the chemistry of this, but the PUFA, the, the omega-3 specifically, are really the ones that we think of that have the most health benefits. And I'm not going to try to go down this road and get too confusing, but there are 11 types of omega-3 that have been identified to date, right? The three most important that we always talk about are our EPA, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce these D, so don't even ask me. Right. I almost could try ecosapentin. Nope, nope, nope. Not today. <laughs> nope. Not today. That's why. Yeah. So <laughs> if if you take a if you take a fish oil supplement or omega three supplement, you look on the back, it has the amount of EPA and the second one called DHA, and that's docohexanoic, whatever yeah, it that is. One's right. A anyway, more easy. Not, that <laughs> one is a little bit easier. So those two. Uh, EPA and DHA. And then there's one more that's important. It's called ALA, alpha linolenic acid. Now, this is what is really, really important because I get into this discussion all the time with athletes. So the EPAs and the DHAs typically come from our marine sources, right? So our fish. Our ALA can come from plant-based sources. So now we're talking about walnuts and chia and flax, you know, we've always heard, oh yeah, walnuts have omega-3. Well, they do, but they have a certain, uh, certain uh, omega-3 called ALA. This is why this is important. It's great to eat all of these, absolutely. But in the body, and this goes back to my research as a grad student, in the body, there are certain pathways, metabolic pathways, where we actually convert ALA which is the plant-based omega-3 to the EPA or the DHA, which is more the marine-based. Now, here's what we know. This conversion D from ALA to EPA is 1% to 10%. So if you eat a handful of walnuts, great food, you're only converting about 1% to 10% of that to the highly beneficial omega-3 EPA, right? Mm -hmm. And it gets even worse for DHA. So DHA... ALA to DHA is only a half a percent to 5% conversion. So right now, listeners, you're like, blah, blah, blah. Why is he telling me this? (laughs) This is what I want to tell you. If you are plant-based or getting more of your omega-3s from plant-based sources, like I do, like I don't eat a lot of fish, right? You just have to know that a lot of that is not being converted into this EPA and DHA. Well, who cares? This is why you should care because traditionally we've talked about EPA and DHA, these omega-3s reducing inflammation, improving heart health, cardiovascular health, improving brain functioning, right? That's that's why we need to focus on EPA and DHA because it has all these great health benefits. 
But Dean and I are also going to look at the newer research that kind of strays away from these specific things into new areas of research. So that's kind of my down and dirty background of the omega-3s. I'll I'll pull out a few things just to reiterate and make a couple points clear for our listeners. So these omega-3s are essential fatty acids. Very much so. We don't make them in the body, which is why you were talking about the sources and, you know, we'll get to maybe talking more about the amounts and things. Um, And so that conversion from the ALA downstream to the DHA EPA is not super efficient. Shall we say we actually don't know like, oh, it's 6.5% in these people and nine Mm -hmm. point. Um, The other thing just to add into the inefficiency aspect here is when you mentioned earlier, your studies on gene variants or the genetic aspect, if we do have one or more of the gene variants that affect that pathway and we're plant-based, like we can get double, double whammied Bob. And, um, Mm -hmm. that can potentially set us up for, you know, maybe some health outcomes that aren't as positive or, getting more clever with how we need to get our essential fatty acids. Which we'll talk about supplementation. I think at some point throughout this conversation, because of course all of our listeners want to know about that. Let me, let me also bring up the, the, the omega six versus omega three. Now we're focusing mostly on omega three in this episode, but I do want to say that the balance in, in, in the research that we're going to kind of pick apart today in this episode the balance is very important and the research actually describes that and, and kind of defines the importance of that. But so let's take, let's take omega-6 fats. So these are really, I mean, if you think about it, the, the thing I, that comes to my mind, Dean, is vegetable oils, right? That's pretty high in, in, in omega-6s. So these are like your safflowers, your soybean oils, your corn oils. Those, they're not bad. Like I hate using that word, right? Yeah. But we have to look at this omega-6 to omega-3 they're both polyunsaturated fats, right? We need to look at the ratio because this is what influences uh, different health markers in our body and health consequences, really. So traditionally in the Western society, our omega-6 to omega-3 ratio is quite high. Like I've heard 20 to 1, 30 to 1, maybe yeah. even 40 to 1. Like basically we're consuming far too many omega-6 relative to omega-3 and that may predispose you to more inflammatory responses, maybe chronic diseases, especially if you have those genetic disturbances, like you were saying, Dina. Mm-hmm. So I want to bring that up. In, in addition to this, like I always have this conversation with athletes and they're like, oh, so omega-6s are bad. No, they're not bad. We're just consuming far too many of them. Yeah. And in the body, this is what's also important. The omega-6 and omega-3 pathway shares the same enzyme. So- Whichever omega, whichever fatty acid is more at that time, that is the one that's going to metabolize and, and produce all of its effects. So because we're eating more omega-6 fats, that one is actually being processed in the body faster and more efficient than the omega-3s. That's why we want to reduce this, this ratio. We want to decrease omega-6s. We want to increase omega-3. So basically omega-3 has a fighting chance to be metabolized more efficiently. And we get all these positive health comes, health outcomes um, to eating or consuming omega-3 through either food or supplements. Yes. 
And before we get on to some of the newer research and applications and so forth, Bob, I just wanted to mention that we we both do the testing rider offer the service mm-hmm. to look at our omega-3 index. Yes. For people who are curious, of course, we can do the genetic, um, nutrigenetic, nutrigenomic testing as well to see, oh, do you have these gene variants? But the blood test to see what your current index is, the six to three ratio yeah. can be helpful to then further guide our nutrition planning. So it's, that, have you done that before, Dee? I did yourself. it a long time ago. Yeah. I was trying to remember here, as I was saying, it was maybe 18, 2018. Yeah. yeah. And um, I should call up that report. I, I think it was decent. It wasn't like a three to one or two to one, yeah. but it I definitely wasn't like 30 to one ratio. Right, right. Yeah. I You've know. done this as well, right, Bob? I have also because I wanted to see, because again, you yeah. know, it, it, part of the intro, I don't eat a lot of fish, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I do supplement yeah. with omega-3 and, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I wanted to determine, okay, based on my normal daily intake, which is practically none of, of at least the, the marine sources, right. The occasional tuna, the occasional salmon. Um, but I do eat a lot of walnuts and flax and chia, but yeah. we just talked about the conversion rates are pretty low. Um, I wanted to actually test what my omega-3 index was without any supplements mm-hmm. and then with supplements. And it was fascinating because I did three of the tests. I did the first one, no supplements, normal nutrition plan. And I was like, wow, that's eye-opening. And again, to your point, it wasn't 20 or 30 to one, but I think it was right around the 12 or 14, somewhere between there okay, to yeah. one ratio of omega-6 to omega-3. And I was like, oh my gosh, right? And I have, you know, genetics, you know, the cards that are that have been dealt to me are not great in terms of cardiovascular disease. So I knew that I needed to change some. So here's what I did. Then I supplemented. Um, now, again, you can say, Bob, why didn't you just eat more fish? Well, Yes, I could have, but it that's a stretch. Let's just say it's it's a big stretch, especially when you have kids at home trying to, you know, yeah, complain about that. Um, so mm-hmm. I I actually supplemented based on like a what I would call a normal dose of omega-3 or fish oil, right? Then I tested it again and it did drop, but it still wasn't ideal for me. Okay. So then I said, okay. I'm not going to change anything in my nutrition. I'm going to increase my supplementation, not dangerously, but still kind of pushing that upper limit of, mm-hmm. of normal recommendations. So basically what I was doing, I used the test to kind of titrate how much omega-3 fish oil supplement my body needed yeah. to put in or to get that ratio that, that again, I needed N of one. Now I don't need a lot of omega-6s. Well, I didn't think I did. Right. Um, but I did, I mean, doing these tests does change your mindset a little bit, doesn't it? You're like, Oh, I really need to look for these different oils or these omega sixes, like, cause they pop up in everything, especially packaged goods that will have additional oils because at least in the United States, a lot of food manufacturers, you know, they, they take the, they they take the short route, right? Whatever's cheaper. And the cheaper is really the oils, like the omega-6 oils, not the omega-3 sources. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's rare to find like potato chips that are cooked in, um, in a flax oil. <laughs> right. Right. I don't think I've ever seen that. No, honestly. I don't. No, Cause it costs I'm too sure. much money. <laughs> and probably taste wise would not be right, palatable. Right. Yeah, the food scientists sure. out there are like, oh my gosh, you don't even understand. <laughs> totally. But I did want to mention real quick too, regarding that omega-3 index test, D, it's it's super easy. Like you mentioned blood and I just want to set yeah. this up. It is literally like a drop of blood. 
Like you just prick yeah. your finger to drop it. So it's not like you're going into the lab and they're, you know, they're, they're taking nine tubes of blood right. out of you. So it is a super easy at home test, uh, but it gives you a lot of information on how to change your nutrition and possibly introduce supplements or refine your supplements if you're taking them. Yes. And knowing yeah. the benefits, like you mentioned earlier, there are an array of, of benefits of having omega threes or a good consistent level of intake of those with regard to cardiovascular health, um, brain health, totally in, in, inflammatory states, uh, yeah. immu immunity and gosh, the list goes on. So, I know, but I know, there, for, yeah. Oh, there, and it's, I thought, I thought this was easy. Like when we said, Hey, let's talk about omega threes on episode. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be simple. And then we, we, we both found some articles and I'm reading them. I'm like, Oh my gosh, things yeah. have changed like yeah. significantly. Like I, I read one D that, that was kind of looking at the EPA and DHA. Remember those two different ones of omega three. And what it was saying was that there are even differences in the results of EPA versus DHA. Yes. So like specifically, you know, it, it said, oh, DHA lowered this genetic expression of four types of pro-inflammatory proteins and EPA only lowered one, yeah. uh, you, know, you know, so you have these things, you're like, we know they're good, but now these researchers are really getting nitpicky uh, in terms of, is it EPA, is it DHA? What are the amounts? It's not like it was in the past is like, Hey, if I'm going to eat fish, I'm getting EPA and DHA. If I'm going to take yeah. a, a fish oil supplement, I'm getting EPA and DHA. Now it seems like the tides are turning a little bit and we need to look at the specific amounts of both EPA and DHA. But now for even more things, like now we're talking about muscle function, delayed onset muscle soreness, uh, protein synthesis. I mean, all these, these things that I never even really looked at, um, you know, years and years and years ago. And that's kind of where we're going now with this, right? Yes. It's well, you've, you've touched on a couple things there, Bob, just like we don't, we are thought process in prescribing omega threes and even in terms of supplementation or food choices, like now we have to get more specific or to come on our radar, right. Is the specifics around types of omega threes the dosing and for what people maybe depending on the outcome we're looking for, we're getting like into the weeds, how we start looking at the nitty gritty of this important nutrient. Yeah. And we um, don't want to make it too confusing. So we will no. kind of keep it at a, at a higher level, you know, 30,000 foot view and not get into all of this. Cause these research studies, which we will put in the show notes for those of you who actually want to read these, um, they, they kind of get in the weeds a little bit, which is awesome. That's what researchers should do, but it, it can be quite confusing. Even when I was kind of picking these research articles apart, I'm like, Ooh, this is, yeah. this is like a hundred foot view right here. Like they were really getting into it at times. So Bob, for us athletes, I mean, now we're, we're getting into the benefits of omega-3 for our athlete selves. And there are a few contexts here that the researchers are looking at, um, like preserving lean muscle mass. You were just saying, um, should we talk about some of these findings, even though it's not hundred percent conclusive yet, but some of these fascinating areas, things for us to be thinking about in case we're in the situation or, want to experiment for ourselves in a safe manner. Yeah, absolutely. Let's jump into it. And 
I, I guess we should start by saying, remember that this is research, right? There are different populations that they study. There are different sample sizes. There's male, there's female, there's, I mean, different activities. There are some who are, I mean, some of these studies looked at inactive individuals, active individuals. So we do, let's, let's just kind of put our research glasses on when we, when we kind of look and okay. as you're Hold listening on. to Dean, okay. Uh, yeah, let, you know, when you're listening to us, yeah, let's let's keep that in mind. There's nothing conclusive about this, and that's the beauty of research: is we have to take, um, we have to kind of interpret it ourselves and continually keep updated on it, right? So, yeah. but yeah, let's put it, let's look at it through the athletic lens for sure. Okay, Bob, do you remember back in the day when you used to have significant GI distress, especially during your first Ironman race? Now, Dina, that was absolutely horrible. And I, I, I mean, that was par for course, right? I remember 1999, first Ironman, Florida, every step of the marathon was absolutely horrible with GI distress, hitting the porta potties every single, I mean, it felt like every single step of the way. And I think you had a similar experience in a marathon, didn't you? Trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon way back when, Bob, using simple sugar products, overdid it, didn't work for my gut, uh, lots of bloating, nausea, GI distress. Luckily, times have changed and we have different fueling products available to us, that being the UCAN set of products. And such a great set of products, honestly, with their patented starch that they put in there, it's called LiveSteady. It is amazing. There are no simple sugars. It doesn't spike your blood sugar, keeps you nice and steady throughout the day in terms of energy, which is great for daily productivity, right? But it's also great for training and competition. So I think both of our lives were changed once we found UCAN. Extreme differences, Bob, and the beauty of the UCAN being so versatile, it can support so many different kinds of athletes, sports, people of all kinds, and providing steady energy without the sugar bombs, the energy crashes, supports our brain health and productivity as well. So it's just an all around great option for all of us to consider. All right, listeners, go check out UCAN online. UCAN, that's U-C-A-N.co. Go shop, use our code ISN podcast for 20% off and enjoy. I feel that for those who are familiar with omega-3s, we think these are anti-inflammatory type nutrients. Therefore, mm -hmm. as an athlete, I just take gobs of them and I don't have any soreness. <laughs> I don't have any systemic, even though that's kind of a higher level term, my level of chronic inflammation just comes down. So we have to be careful here. I'm just adding on to the list of disclaimers. It's not necessarily a more is better type of nutrient where we want to eat salmon 24-7 and supplement massive amounts, mega dosing. Um, but there's interesting mechanisms, right, Bob, that we're learning from the research in terms of mitigating some of the inflammation, how that may affect actually the muscle architecture or that integrity of the muscle mm -hmm. in these different situations. I don't know which one you want to go into first here. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's interesting context. too, be, before we jump, you know, even like the Olympic committee, the international Olympic committee, they've recommended omega-3 uh, for athletes because of its role in muscle protein synthesis and reducing muscle soreness. Right. So that's, that, that kind of caught my attention. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that they actually, you know, threw that, threw that claim out there, but, but here's the thing. I think 
from what I was reading in these articles, I mean, the dosage that that's the first thing that I went to was, was like, yeah. what kind of dosage, right? Because, you know, to your point earlier, Dina and listeners, please don't go overboard with, if you're going to take an omega-3 supplement, don't go overboard because then there are blood clotting issues. And it's just, it's not a good thing to do that. Just, you know, um, without consulting a professional, a health professional first, because there are some, some ramifications if you do consume too much. So like I, I saw one, one study was like in the thousand like tens of thousands Dina I was like whoa that's that's kind of pushing it and and as an example like I usually won't go high dose omega-3 supplements with athletes who are in contact sports because again the the delayed blood clotting response I don't like I don't want to risk that right if they're not you know if they get bruised or cut or something I don't I, I mean that's that could be very bad yeah well it is one of those vitamin nutrient nutrients that like prior to surgery, most, Mm, most surgeons are like, okay, let's stop your omega-3 supplementation. Cause I don't want you to bleed out on my operating room table. Yeah. That's a great (laughs) point. It's a great point. Yeah. So where do we want to start? Like what's, what's most important? Cause I'm, you know, I'm looking at things and you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we've always talked about inflammation and omega-3s, but now we're talking about like muscle recovery. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. really kind of what we should probably jump into first. Like how do we optimally recover our muscles? What can we do? Yeah. Well, I was, I was drawn to some of the research findings showing some use for omega-3 supplementation for those that are in these catabolic situations. Mm. So not so much breakdown, like, breakdown. Catabolic yeah. Breakdown. So I was yeah. thinking of the injury situation and some of that research, like, Oh, if, I mean, they're trying to do in, in some of these study designs, like mimic an injury, like they'll immobilize an yeah. arm or a leg or something and like test out weeks of a certain dose of omega-3 in a certain group and see what happens to that immobilized muscle. And then like, okay, can we apply some of this into the real world? So some of that showing um, there is this hint, again, specific studies, but hint that the lean muscle tissue is preserved a bit more. So we're not experiencing that level of atrophy because the Mm -hmm. leg isn't moving and those muscles aren't doing much that perhaps a certain level of omega-3 could protect us. If we are, if we do have, you know, for example, a broken leg or some sort of injury where we can't move a large muscle group. Yeah. I thought that was, that was one of my takeaways. I'm like, wow, this is, this is worth its weight in gold. Like that, that statement right there, because again, we all get injured. Right. And I mean, we all know, like I work with a lot of college athletes too. And and these guys and girls are getting injured like crazy. I mean, ACLs, meniscus, like you name it. Right. And I was like, Mm -hmm. huh, that actually, it, you know, eating, eating omega-3 rich foods has always been part of my plan for every athlete. But I have to be honest with you, D, after reading this, it it kind of provides me a little bit more support, but also a little bit more fire underneath me saying, I really need to do a better job with athletes in that possible post-surgery state or that catabolic state to really emphasize that a little bit more, whether or not it's with supplements or not. I think just the message is how do we get more omega-3 rich foods in an athlete's body during that? And that's to, to your point, I agree with you. I think that's probably one of the best takeaways from the newer research we've been reading. 
I think there's still so much. I feel like we have to say this every two sentences, like yeah. well, we still don't know <laughs> enough, but true, again, true. we're also just trying to show listeners like this is on the research research radar and just starting to think about your own intake of omega-3 or have it assessed with a nutrition professional because it could do so much, not, not just for long-term health, but looking at your acute situation. So if you are planning surgery or you're in a high training block, you're doing a sport you haven't done, maybe you're at risk for injury or looking again then at the thing you were mentioning or alluding to like this acute use of omega-3 supplementation in terms of um, benefiting recovery uh, that throughout our training programming, perhaps some of us might benefit from looking at what we're doing from a dietary intake and supplement intake to maximize our training response or our recovery or really help that repair process of broken down muscle. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, we're definitely not at the point saying, oh, if you're in this category, eat three grams a day, whatever it is, yeah. right? or supplement with five grams a day. We're not there yet. Like not at all, but, you know, based on like, I opened up this episode and based on the dietary guidelines, the 2015 and 2020 saying, Hey, we should eat eight ounces of, you know, fish per week. That's what I think. That's what I hear from, from you, Dina is like, let's make a concerted effort to look at our habits of consuming marine based omega-3s in our nutrition plan first mm -hmm. to see what we can do better. Right. And then maybe yeah. there is an opportunity to do better in that catabolic state, or I would even say daily nutrition better, including myself. Yeah. Like I need to get better also. Right. But yeah, in those injured states, I think there's really, really good points and, and efficacy of newer research to state, you know, we need to definitely look through a different lens and maybe make this more of a priority than we have in the past. I thought, in, you know, so we're, so we've got that catabolic that that's post-surgery, post-injury. I thought it was interesting because some of the research was also looking at improving muscle function and strength because omega-3s actually um, trigger the mTOR pathway, which is increasing protein synthesis. So I was really interested in that because you know how both of us are kind of focused on protein too. We're yeah. like, oh, so I looked at that and I was like, oh, and I was so excited to read it. And then the conclusions were, hmm. Not well, so much. Not so much. And I was, <laughs> was kind of let down. I was kind of deflating my balloon. I'm like, oh, that's a bummer, right? So, you so were even saying, though we know. Yeah. yeah. It's, so you're saying that study that looked at the combination of feeding with like a whey protein, big yep. hit of whey protein yep. in conjunction with the omega-3 supplementation. And that was in, I believe, uh, male athletes, younger right, male right. athletes. Younger. So these yep. were trained individuals, but yeah. No, no major benefit. So that no I think benefits. they were wondering like, yeah. is it competition of the signaling or right. maybe the way the protein feeding sort of trumps the benefit of doing any other omega-3, but yeah. you know, it just leaves more question marks. It does. And you know, you look at that and that was the first thing I looked at too, was like, oh, these are young males who are trained. I mean, and they're taking 30 grams away. I'm like, okay, right. What about, yeah. what about 60 year old males? What about seven year old yeah. females? What about premenopausal post? Right. So there's so many other things to think about. I did. I do believe and correct me if I'm wrong. I think they, that study actually mentioned that because they did look at the, the whey protein versus the omega threes. I think somewhere in there, they said, 
possibly in states of not consuming enough protein, perhaps omega-3s could help, right? So if we aren't consuming a lot of protein, maybe omega-3s are going to be that added benefit. I did pick that up as well, Bob. So I thought that was interesting. I was trying to think of the situation where, where could we not be getting enough protein, but that could be, you know, our appetites get affected when we're injured. Maybe we're mentally down as well. I mean, there's a whole lot of reasons. So if we just don't feel like eating protein, it's available. Perhaps there's other reasons. It's not accessible. We're traveling. It's not accessible. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Right. So not all of us have access to like our protein shaker and, you know, our shaker bottle and Mm -hmm. protein and, you know, this and that. So I think, I think that was interesting because I think there's going to be more research done on that in that protein deficient state in the efficacy of using omega-3s to trigger yeah. protein synthesis. So I, I, I want to, I kind of want to keep an eye out for that for sure. Um, I did look, you know, that muscle soreness now, this is interesting. So delayed onset muscle soreness usually happens as an effect of, of, you know, usually strength training for the most part or downhill running or eccentric exercise. And I was, I was pleasantly surprised that, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I was reading was that omega-3 could actually benefit or reduce the symptoms or the length of delayed onset muscle soreness. Mm-hmm. Again, I think there's still so much we don't know about, yeah. but the point here is it's exciting to have these tools, nutrition tools, maybe supplement tools to yep. assist us, whatever our unique situation is, just try and figure out, is this a strategy and really opening our eyes to the possibility, whether or not it's food first or bringing in the supplement, but that possibility yeah. Or potential, I should say, for omega-3s to impact DOMS more positively. Yep. And here's the thing, and this is why I really was interested in this, because I was thinking about you, Dina, right? Because you're lifting a lot more. And you've been lifting yeah. for a while since we've yeah. known each other, but you're lifting a lot more. And I was like, oh, I wonder if Dina's doing a lot of eccentric motions that are mm-hmm. causing this. And you know, then I was wondering, oh, well, what is, does Dina eat enough omega-3s? Does she supplement yeah. with omega-3s? Like, I don't know. Could you speak to that? Have you have yeah. you played around with that at all? Or I definitely have played around, although I don't think it's consistent enough to report my findings and the, okay. the research. But I I eat fish twice a week at least, sometimes mm-hmm. four times a week. Um, I do supplement, but it's not every day. I I do tend to do these micro periodizations. So like, mm-hmm. and the stuff you and I have done for a long time. I'm sure I've picked this up from you a long time ago as well. Like, oh, geez, you know, uh, heavy lift and a hard run day. I'll take an extra one and a half, two grams total of EPA, DHA at night. Um, So it might be three or four nights a week. I take the Mm -hmm. supplemental um, product and then eat in between all, you know, all the other days. But I don't have much muscle soreness. So I, but again, can't say maybe I'm not working hard enough in the gym. Maybe, maybe it's all the other modalities or the combination therein that's affecting. Well, I think, you know, like in the research, they specifically put them through eccentric. So that's the the lowering motion and they like, they, that's what they target. Right. I think in real life, we're not really targeting, like I do a lot of eccentric in my strength training, but it's not the focus. You know what I mean? I, I don't, focus on eccentric. Cause honestly, I don't want to be that sore. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I'm, 
I'll report back with when my downhill running begins. Yeah. My, uh, run right. rabbit hundred miler, right. but I have not been doing much hundred, um, downhill stints okay. lately. So yeah. maybe that's a great I, I do the same thing though, as you like, I will kind of microcycle, um, cause I do take omega-3 fish oil supplements and I will microcycle yeah. periodize that. So same yeah. exact thing on harder days. Um, and you can define harder as different, different things. Definitely my strength training doesn't, it doesn't promote that at all. It's just like with my run days right now, um, mm-hmm. that when that's a little bit heavier, or I do know I'm going to be doing a little bit more downhill or I do, I do kind of float my supplements, um, my omega-3 yeah. supplements based on that specifically. But here's the other thing, like I'm also taking these because again, as I mentioned earlier, I don't have the best genetic cards when it comes to cardiovascular health. Right. So yeah. that, that was actually the reason I've been taking omega-3s for, I don't even know how long now. Um, that's the main reason I take them and try, try my best to eat more omega-3s from a yeah. health, a heart health standpoint, not necessarily yeah. from a muscular DOMS, whatever muscle protein synthesis. Cause I, I definitely get enough protein. Let's check that box. <laughs> okay. Checking that box. Check. I think Bob, <laughs> one to do, I would ask all the listeners, if you are taking omega-3 supplements, Hmm. is actually look at the bottle because there oh, are a slew yeah. of different formulations out there and the marketing right on the front, it'll say high potency omega-3 and then you turn it around and it, or it'll be some blend like an omega-369. Mm-hmm. Like, so I really encourage everyone, like look at your EPA and DHA content. It might be in milligrams or grams. Um, but just get a sense because some of those products are kind of lame, to be honest. I know and, uh, oh. the, the real ones, not real, but the the ones that we really want more of or, yeah. or need to examine more closely, I should right. say. Well, and that comes down to that whole ratio thing that we we're talking about in the opening, right? Is like yeah. looking at that omega-6 to the omega-3 ratio. And yeah. I mean, I'm biased here, D, but if someone's going to take a fish oil supplement or, you know, let's call it a fish oil supplement, I don't want six or nine in there. I don't want omega-6. I don't want yeah. omega-9 in there. Like I want it to be specifically omega-3, specifically EPA, DHA. Yeah. I've got an ideal ratio between those two. Um, doesn't hold true for all, but, you know, I look for more of a two to one ratio of EPA to DHA. Yeah. Although some of the research we were reading, it really is kind of bumping up the, the importance of DHA, right. And DHA in the past, we've, we've kind of put more for cognitive development and brain development, but, you know, I'm kind of relooking at mine. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, but to your point, we need to make sure the supplement we're taking the omega-3, if you're taking one, make sure you're focused on omega-3, make sure it has EPA, DHA. Uh, again, everyone's going to be different. I look at a two to one ratio EPA to DHA for me personally, but again, I kind of know after having that omega-3 index test, like I know where I need to float um, to control my my omega-3 levels and my EPA, yeah. DHA, DHA levels. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good to be thinking about all these ways in which we can learn more about our own bodies and, and, uh, looking at the food and supplements we're taking. And then, uh, just thinking of some of this emerging research that we definitely will be paying attention to Bob, to see what's come coming out as far as application and like the real life stuff. Right. Yeah. So I, I think to, to kind of sum it up in my mind, at least like I was excited to learn, that using omega-3 uh, via food, via supplements, I mean, obviously these the research uses supplements because it's easier to titrate and whatnot, but 
what I really took from that is possibly the application of using these a little bit more wisely in that catabolic post-surgery injury state. That's what really excited me. And I think that's where a little bit more of the research was a little bit more conclusive based on what we read. And, and these were, by the way, these were recent studies. These were, I mean, 2021 studies, right? So we're talking about just a couple of years ago. So we're not looking at, you know, in the archives at all. Right. Yeah. So I guess thinking, thinking about that is um, I'm, I'm trying to think what else to add besides what you just said. <laughs> I mean, do you think, was that your takeaway? Was that your main thing from reading? Yeah. The, the like this yeah. protective armor, right. That you could bring in yeah. for these certain situations. I think the only other thing I'd add, there was a hint that maybe there are some gender sex differences between women right. or male, female, where, that conversion of ALA to the EPA DHA uh, in this one particular study looked to be a little more efficient in the females. Mm -hmm. So that's something more just like bookmarking for future. Right. Um, I don't know that we can say anything conclusive about that, but it just goes in that bucket of let's pay attention. And see. Yeah, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that study was done in postmenopausal females also. I think it was, yeah. Right, okay, so just to yeah. kind of qualify that also. And remember yeah. everyone, like omega-3s are in every cell uh, membrane in our body. Mm, we need point. omega-3s, they're essential. We need to eat them, we need yeah. to get them from food. Maybe you need to supplement, maybe you don't, but we need to do a better job at getting them through our food sources first and foremost. Like that's the thing. They're so important and they were, there are so many different opportunities for omega-3s to impact our body in a health, in a positive health manner, in addition to everything we we're talking about. But please, if if that's if you get no other message from this episode, is please really do a deep dive and look at your daily nutrition intake of omega-3s. Um, specifically marine-based from from salmon and sardines and tuna and cod, you know, all yeah. these great things. If you can just try to make that small change and maybe you're not eating any fish per week. Like for me, I try to make a, a point in trying to have one serving per week, like start small yeah. and then you can maybe get up to those two servings per week. Like we're all at a different place in our lives. And I think that's important to remember that we don't want you to just go out and buy a a jar of omega-3 pills. We, we don't like, we want to right. focus on your daily nutrition first because here's the thing, there's all these other great nutrients that come with this fish too, right? That we're eating. And, and again, for our plant-based athletes, we get it. You're going to consume a lot more of your omega-3s through this alpha lenalenic, but just remember the conversion rate to EPA and DHA is not as great. Um, it's You're still consuming it. You're still getting some benefit, but just kind of keep that in mind as you go down the, the dietary approach that's right for you. So Bob, when I see you next, you want to meet up for a salmon salad, salmon salad, salmon cakes. What else could we do? We could <laughs> salmon go burgers. I grew up fishing and I love to fish. Yeah. So maybe we hit a river and we catch some brown or rainbow trout or something here oh, in Colorado. Yeah. And cause I mean, we could start a fire. I mean, not, you know, start a fire, you know what I'm talking about. Like I'll cook <laughs> it up for us. Do you fish to cook? I love fishing. All I right, love, there yeah. We go. Yeah. That yeah. sounds like a hoot. So for our fishermen, people, fisher people out yeah. there, fishermen and fisherwomen, you know, go fish and grab some trout. I mean, that's a, another great source. You don't have to always buy it. Like if you're already doing this, you yeah. know, just include that a little bit more. No doubt. Yeah. Okay. That's another fun uh, sport to add to the list. Absolutely. Fly fishing.
fly fishing and then eating the fish. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, well, you have to make sure it's not catch and release, right? So oh, let's, let's obey the laws okay. first. <laughs> All right, Dee. Well, I think that was a good kind of a, a, a good place to, to, well, it's a good place to end, but, you know, I think with all this new emerging research in Omega-3, we'll definitely keep on top of it and share to our listeners all the the greatest and the latest and the greatest updates. But I think that's a good place to start for our listeners in terms of having some really good quality information and taking some gold and nuggets away. I mean, do you want to add anything? I don't think so. Just uh, having this this particular nutrient on our, our food radar, having an assessment done, finding out where you're you're at or where we can optimize and then applications for you for health and performance, always a good thing. Yeah. And listen, this is Spark. You know, when you listen to something, you're like, oh, I'm motivated to do it. Here's the thing, D. I'm going to open up a can of tuna, which I have in my pantry, and I'm going to have that for lunch. I don't know how I'm going to prepare it yet, but I'm going to have that can of tuna fish for lunch. I am making that an imperative goal of mine today. So listeners, I want you to take that also. That sounds good. But don't add mayonnaise, Bob, anything. No, no, no. I I actually don't. You know what I do? I I add Greek yogurt. Okay, good. That's that's my favorite. Yeah, I know how (laughs) how you feel about mayo. The Greek yogurt or hummus or any other alternative to the mayo. Okay. Cool. Right, well, your omega three so, levels are going to be jacked up today. They're going to be totally jacked up, and and yeah. with that, I might change my supplement routine also. Okay. Um, but you know, listeners, go crack open a can of tuna or a can of salmon or fresh. Fresh is great if you can get it. You're on the coast, yeah. it's even better, right? I mean, I think you know, you're just sometimes we're limited by the options we have, but. I think we're just limited in just the knowledge we have sometimes too. Like, what do I do with this? Right. So my challenge to all listeners is figure out how to include more marine based. If you do eat uh, marine animals and figure out how to incorporate that more into your daily nutrition plan. And, you know, send us some questions, send us some feedback, send us some, even maybe some recipes on how are you using this? Cause we would love to hear from you and just see all the creative ways that you're, you're using to include more omega threes in your daily nutrition plan. I'll post the salmon cake picture. Bob. Oh, that would be wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. All Perfect. right. And I'll just listeners. post a photo of tuna in my hand or something. I don't know. <laughs> tuna smoothies. Oh no. We're going to, oh, no. I'm drawing the line. No. Let's sign off now. That's not going in our smoothie <laughs> <No>. ebook <laughs> recipe update. No, we're not going there. Uh, <laughs> all right. Listeners. Well, we wish you all the best. Thank you so much for being here and remember to eat to train and nourish to thrive. Well, we hope you enjoyed episode 71, where Dean and I sat down and unboxed omega-3 fats a little bit more and really put in the context of athletic performance, not just health. So hopefully you walked away with a few golden nuggets from that episode. Thanks again to our sponsor, UCAN, which is a revolutionary sports nutrition product that supports blood sugar and steady energy throughout the day and during training and competition. Stay tuned for next week's episode, Dina and I unpack another ask us anything episode so we're taking a few questions from you all our great listeners and we will answer those we would absolutely love your support in promoting our podcast if you would like to help us out go to your podcast platform of choice give us a review five-star rating really helps us grow and share our content with other listeners around the world so we would certainly appreciate that 
And be sure to head on over to our website, insidesportsnutrition.com, where you can find our show notes, you can find our partners, you can find other ways to support us. We definitely appreciate that. For more information about what Dean and I do in our individual businesses, head on over to energyperformance.com. That's E-N-R-G performance.com to see what I have going and head on over to nutritionmechanic.com to see all about what Dina has going on. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the host and the guest involved and do not represent a replacement for medical consultation with your doctor. The information and opinions provided here are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or medical condition. This podcast is for information, education, and entertainment purposes only.